In this episode, I'm going to break down for you the three rules of productivity on my team and how I believe my team can do three to four times more from an output perspective compared to most of the teams that I know. I'm going to break them down for you tactically and strategically, all of it starting right now. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to, how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. We all talk about personal productivity, our personal hacks, our tools, our systems. Whenever I post something online, they'll be like, oh, people will actually look past the content and ask me what software I'm using. Like that just, that stuff blows my mind sometimes because people care more about the tool and more about the system as opposed to sometimes the content, which is okay because it goes to showing that there is such a gap in the productivity tools and systems that are necessary for us to do better work. And productivity is, a, is, is, is kind of an unsexy thing because it doesn't directly go and show us a way to make more money. It gives us more capacity. It gives us less stress. It gives us more joy. It allows us to get more leverage. And in turn, we can use that to get more, uh, met, get more income, get more wealth, get more all of that. But productivity itself doesn't quote sell as well, right? Because we need to, it's not a direct path to more money these days. But we don't realize that the more productive we are, the more, uh, the less stressed we are, the more we can do and the more impact we can have. And today's episode, I want to walk you through something personal to us that most people don't see. It is uh, the three rules of productivity that are on my team. And I think it's important to know this because when you can have productivity installed in a systematic way in your organization, in your team, in your company, in your uh, focus group, just wherever, it allows to have really great um, collaboration around a central goal. Rules are good personally because they allow for personal success. Rules are extremely powerful for teams because they allow for exponential success. I'll say it again. Rules for teams drive exponential success. So today I want to give you three very quick rules for productivity on my team. And I hope that you will be able to share this liberally with all your teams. Maybe they can uh, all come up with one way in which they can all be more productive together. So uh, without any further ado and no fluff, let's get uh, to it. So the three rules of productivity on my team, and let me give you the first one. The first one is what we call human-driven efficiency. Say it again, human-driven efficiency. And here's what I mean by that. We have noticed, especially in the last couple of years, that we end up working from everywhere. So we have team members around the world. We have team members in different time zones. We have team members that are of different personalities. Some are salespeople. Some are operations people. Some are designers. Some are work in social media. And they all have different skill sets. They all have different temperaments. They all different communicate differently. They all have different goals. But forcing all of them to do a daily stand-up, 
forcing all of them to speak up in meetings, forcing all of them to write better, forcing all of them to be more boisterous, forcing all of them to voice their opinion is not fair. So we have realized that each team member is their own unique ecosystem and we want to respect that, but we also want to have the right rule for the team. So when we are on the team, we have we want to make it easy for everybody by having two very simple rules in our communication. This does not include project management. This does not include all of that. We have two very specific rules in our communication. Here is rule number one. Rule number one is this. If it requires, um, if it's one sentence <laughs> in written word, if it's one sentence, then we're okay to use written word. So if you're on Slack or Microsoft Teams or WhatsApp Messenger or you're text messaging somebody or whatever, if you're on, if you're on, uh, on any system, even email, and you have a one sentence piece of communication, good to go. We are happy to use one sentence to communicate. If it requires more than one sentence, you can't use, you can't use the written word. That's the rule. One sentence communication, Yes, you can use the written word. If it's more than one sentence, you cannot use the written word. Now you may ask, well, if you can't use the written word, what do you do? Well, here's what we do. We use a lot of voice memos on our team. So I just hit record on the voice memo app on my Mac and I just drag the file into Slack and I'm done. Or the most common tool that we use right now, we use a screen sharing piece of software called Loom and we just record whatever we're seeing on our screen so that the other person can totally understand it. And those two things alone have changed everything because when we have given people a chance to use more audio and use more video, it has limited the number of back and forth communication. What I noticed is it, they would say, hey, can you help me with this? Oh, yeah. What, what do you need help with? Oh, I'm looking at this file and it's not centered right. Oh, I don't understand. Can you tell me what that means more? Oh, is it the, oh, the colors are wrong? Well, it's the gray or the black? Well, it's the black, but I see the gray. Can you send me a picture? Sure. But I don't know which one you're referring to. Literally, this is what happens in a conversation. And you wonder why I don't care about the efficiency. You wonder why people get frustrated. Instead, the one sentence would be like, hey, I need help with blah, blah, blah. I don't understand. Great, I'll send you a video. It's made it that simple because now you get answers much faster. You get less stress. And in a, in one, uh, in a one minute video or one minute audio, you're able to explain yourself so much better. And I actually believe that this is bringing our team together. It has gotten less frustration and uh, less irritation among people not being thoughtful because the more detail-oriented people will say, hey, Sharon, I need help with these five things. One, two, three, four, five. The attached file is this. Attached to... And then when you do that, it's good. But let's say I'm on the road and then I lost the thread of the conversation in Slack, which happens to me all the time. And then I'm like, well, I don't know where that is. But if I had the video or I had the audio, I could find it. I could click play and I could respond thoughtfully. Now, whether this may work on your team or not is, you know, uh, your choice, but it's super important to have these two rules in place that has been for us. Number one, if it's one sentence, we can use words. If it's more than one sentence, we have to use audio or video or some or live communication. Now, for one of these things to work, for this rule to actually come to life and work, we have noticed that we needed one central piece of communication in place. Now, I've seen a lot of teams where, especially the entrepreneur, the business owner, the team leader will do whatever is comfortable for them. They'll say, oh, well, 
I'm going to text my COO, then I'm going to Slack my COO, then I'm going to email my COO, then for some other topic, I'm going to Facebook Messenger my COO, then I'm see my COO commented my post on Instagram, so I'm going to, uh, you know, direct message them on Instagram, like, and then I'll call them, then I'll leave them a voicemail. Like, that's very confusing. And that, I guarantee that happens to you. So what we have done from a team-based communication perspective is that we have committed to one channel only, right? Now, does this always work? No. There's sometimes where I email my team, but at least what it's done is it's put the majority of the focus and the onus for everybody to communicate the same way. And we just use Slack, which is a you know a, a communication uh, chat piece of software, if you will, for Teams. You don't have to do that. You can use that. You can use email. You can use Dropbox. You can use WhatsApp. You can do whatever. But we realize that when you don't have a central kind of communication medium, then all the other two rules of the one sentence rule and the video rule break because now where do I actually put this video? Where do I actually put this audio? Is there is it lost somewhere? And that gets messy. So mechanically speaking, you need a base of good operations to drive good efficiency. And that is rule number one, which is human driven efficiency. All right. Let's go to, we started talking about tools. So let's go to the second rule on our team, which is master the tools, master the tools. I would like every single person on my team to know every single tool that we use, right? So I think of my uh, team as a military unit. Everybody in my military unit, everybody in my SEAL team, if you will, should know how to use our email marketing software, which is Active Campaign. Should knows how to use our shopping cart software, which is SamCart. Should knows how to use our billing system, which is Stripe. Should knows how should know how to do Slack. Should know how to do WordPress. Should know how to do Trello. Like we only have like seven or eight tools. But every single member on my team needs to use all of that. Just like in a SEAL team unit or in a military unit, every single member needs to know how to fire a Glock, how to fire a pistol, how to fire a gun, how to fire an M4, how to fire a uh, bazooka, you know, how to use a knife, how to use a sword, how to use a lightsaber, <laughs> like whatever. I don't know. My point is we can't have – we need to have everybody master the tools. Now, yes, of course, one person is going to be – have more affinity towards a tool. So – yeah, the, the media buyers on my team generally know how to use the Facebook ads manager and, and the, you know, and the landing page software better than anyone else. Sure. But if there is a typo in the landing page software, I shouldn't have to wait for somebody to go fix it. Whoever catches the typo should be able to go fix it. Right. And I see this broken on a ton of teams because they allow for specialization. And then they say, oh my gosh, Jimmy, my active campaign ninja left. Now I need to go hire a new Jimmy and I have to hire for the skill set. Well, the skill set's really hard to find. Well, of course it's hard to find because you allowed Jimmy to ultra specialize and you didn't give Jimmy the joy of, you know, building and growing um, and having great ideas across the team uh, as opposed to the, J Jimmy not seeing the joy in other things and just being focused on that. You don't even know if Jimmy was good at that. And the reason, and you may think, well, Sean, how do you do something like this? How do you get everybody proficient in everything? Well, this is how you do it. Well, this, I don't know how you do it. This is how we do it. How we do it is that we take uh, every single day, every single team member, everywhere in the world is required, is required to watch one help video on one of the pieces of one of the tools that we use. So for example, let's say our email marketing system at this point is active campaign. Um, every single team member must watch at least one support video, anyone of the active campaign videos that are out there. 
and have to put that in a Slack message saying, I watched this, which is really good. So some people will choose to watch a social media video. Some people will choose to watch a shopping cart video. Some people will choose to watch an email, email video. Some people will choose to watch a QuickBooks video. Some people will choose to watch a Stripe video. It doesn't matter. To me, every single day, we have a stack of 10 tools that we use, which you called our tech stack. I want every single day, every single person on the team will watch one video one help video, one support video, one training video uh, from the creator of the tool's website to learn more about that tool. They just have to watch it. That's it. I'm not looking for them to get specialization. I'm not looking for them to utilize that tool. I just want familiarity because here's the deal. Familiarity builds confidence, right? I will tell you in the last three or four years, and I am included in this, in this game. So I watch one help video as well because right now I will tell you that I have probably watched... I don't know, more active campaign videos than the creators of active campaign. I literally know how to do almost everything on that platform. Now, I'm not saying I'm amazing, but I have, I don't need to wait for my team to build an automation. Like if I have an idea, I can build it and test it very quickly because I know if I'm doing that. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Sharon has the, you know, isn't that a, isn't that a, you know, isn't that someone else's job? Isn't that you know a bad use of your time? Sure, but I think of the use of my time as prototyping. I spend a lot of my time prototyping, which is like, I'm like, hey, if I built this, how would it work? And I'm not trying to build a whole thing. I'm just trying to see quickly if it would work. And for me, when I know the capabilities of the system, capabilities of the tools, I'm able to do a lot more, right? When you have a tool that can solve a problem, you know that you don't have a problem. And that's the cool part. When you know there's a, you know, a screw needs to be undone and you have a Phillips head, you know it'll work. And that's really, really important because uh, if you don't build this into the ecosystem of your culture, then uh, getting somebody to go do this is very, very difficult. Now, here's the second thing. The second thing is there's this big concept out there in the world of who, not how. They say, well, if you want video, get someone else to do video. If you want your, you know, if you want your social media done, get someone else to do your social media. If you want your podcast done, give it to somebody else. If you want your email marketing done, give it to somebody else. Well, yes, I understand that. However, there's a problem with who, not how, right? The problem with on, is asking, well, how, 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 you know, like don't give the how to somebody else. Well, the problem is there's this big gap of what, what are you going to give away, right? What are you going to give away? And so when the, when, what I mean by the what is if you don't know exactly what you want and what's, what needs to get done, it's very hard. And a lot of the what is influenced by what the tools can do, right? So if you only had a hammer and the what of the hammer is to bang a nail, well, the only jobs you can take are nail banging jobs. Think about that for a second, right? If the, if the only job of the hammer is to bang a nail and you knew that that's all the hammer could do, then the only jobs you can take is to bang a nail. Now, however, let's say you have a hammer which has two heads, one side bangs a nail and one side pulls the nails out, and you know that was possible on the tool, now you know that you can have take two types of jobs, both banging a nail and pulling out nails. I'm being kind of metaphorical with this, but I would tell you that most of us have tools in our tech stack or in our lives or even people or systems or whatever that we don't know it's, it's true capabilities. And I actually think you're leaving tons of money on the table by not knowing the capabilities of the tools that you already have. And the way you actually learn those is not by binge watching those videos, is, is making them part of your team's culture and your culture where every single day you learn something related to some tool in your tech stack. That's what makes our team more efficient. That's what makes our team more effective. That's what makes our team more knowledgeable and also gives a great base of confidence around the team. Because when someone says, hey, um, 
there's a typo on that page, like literally whoever saw the typo can just edit and fix it. They don't have to even bring it up or file a ticket or tell somebody else or start a track. They don't have to do any of that. And that's why we get so much efficiency on our team because we don't have to do any of that because anytime someone sees an issue, anytime someone sees the need to build something, they just build it because they have the capability to do so. Mastering the tools is really, really important and you got to make that a key part of your, your culture. And that's where everybody levels up and they start to figure out what they really love and they figure out a deep sense of uh, contribution to the organization, all right? Before I kind of move away from this mastering the tools topic, I want to tell you, I wrote down like these three things that it has really done for our organization. Uh, the first thing is when folks watch new videos, train themselves or train others, you get, it builds, it gives more people more ideas. That's really good because you have now you have a culture of ideas. Number two, it also gives people confidence that they can do anything because when you see video after video of kind of like how things are done, you get confidence to either do that or do videos like that. So it builds insane confidence. But number three, here's the best part. When I see a video that I like, I share it in the channel. When someone else sees a video and they're like, oh my goodness, guys, you all have to see this. This is the coolest video. We should all do this. They'll share something that they saw and now the entire team benefits from it. Mastering the tools is so powerful that you have to build it into the core ecosystem of your company, the core kind of belief of your system, all right? So number one, we talked about human-driven efficiency. Number two, we talked about mastering the tools. Let's talk about number three, and this is really mechanical, so please allow me to be ultra-mechanical with you because I want to give you something ultra-tactical here. Forms reduce errors. Forms reduce errors. I would, I want you to, you know, have your team understand that it's like, we don't want, uh, we don't want processes stuck in people's heads. New systems, new processes should get kicked off with forms. Anything that is important should be done with forms. Everything should happen with forms. So like if you're onboarding a new client, it should have a client onboard form, even internally. If you're offboarding a client, especially, you should have an offboard form internally. If you're giving VIP access to somebody, just don't go in and turn on VIP access to somebody with a new VIP tag. Give them, use a form. Because now, next time you want to take away the access, you know exactly how they can do that. Forms are really powerful. Forms reduce all kinds of errors on the team and it allows people to work through things so much faster. Forms also ensure that your systems are ultra tight because otherwise, if someone needs to get onboarded, I might not even have a checklist. I'd be like, hey, so-and-so onboard our new team member and they would just like start to give him stuff. They would give him random access. They would give him access to some tools. They would give him access to Gmail. They would give him access to a few things. And then when they left, you'd be like, wait a minute, I don't remember what he all he had access to and I can't un-onboard, off-board all of this. I, I say that very simply, but what happens I've noticed with clients in the, in the modern world is like we start giving people access to different things, access to a Google sheet, access to this, access to that. And it starts to break. It starts to get really messy. And then you pay the price of it later. It also happens internally when small things like, hey, you need a new podcast episode launch. You need a new uh, post, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a YouTube video published. You need whatever it needs to have happen. Small things are very, very important where if you see something breaking, then you should put a form in front of it. 
Say it again. If you see something breaking, you should put a form in front of it. Uh, there's a reason. I want to give you the four big reasons why you, we use forms. We use forms a lot. In fact, we have three different form engines on our team. Right now, again, people always ask me, well, I wonder what form engine he uses. We use three different form engines on our team. We use the free Google Forms because every time, and the reason we use free Google Forms is because anytime we need a form that automatically dumps to a Google Sheet, which is a lot, most of our times, we use free Google Forms because their native integration is, you know, right into the Google Sheets works really well. Number two, we use Typeform. Typeform uh, literally goes, it, it doesn't show you a form with like 20 fields on it, so it doesn't stress people out. It shows you one field at a time, so it's kind of like a Q&A version, so we use Typeform. And Typeform has good integration across the board, both with Zapier and like our CRM system, so you can natively integrate it. That's why we use Typeform. And then we use this new tool called JotForm, which allows you to do block forms and native forms and all of that and has good uh, reporting. So we use that. But here's the cool part. The reason why we use these different form engines is we don't, people will say, well, I have this one form engine. I don't want to pay the other $29 a month. We don't care about that. We use the different form engines so that we can build the right form at the right time for the right person to do the right job. And I love putting forms in front of processes because it allows me to also think, oh, I need to do that. I just need to fill out a form. I need to request that. I need to fill out a form. I, as soon as I do that, I just have these quick form shortcuts on my desktop, on my browser. I click the form. I fill out the form. I hit enter and a bunch of things happen. I will tell you just having the culture of building a form changes everything. And here's the cool part. I have, as I told you before, I have my entire team really um, proficient at building forms. So everybody knows that they need to build forms. I have people building forms for their own lives, which is really good because they've created this form-based culture because it reduces errors dramatically, right? Let's talk about the the four forms, why the four things that forms do that I really, really love. All right. The first thing. A lot of times we have to provide instructions to people. Hey, give me this document, give me this, DocuSign this. Like we tell people, go do these four things and I'll start something. Well, anytime you have to provide instructions to somebody. Instead of doing that, just give them a form. <laughs> really simple, right? When you go to the DMV and to get a driver's license, or you go to check into a hotel, or you go to check into a, um, you know, a, a, a doctor's office, the reason they give you a form is because they have instructions for you. They want your insurance card. They want your driver's license. They, instead of giving you the instructions, they just give you the form. There's a reason for that, right? Forms provide a natural set of instructions and we don't question why we need certain level of data and that's really important that way you can the, the modern forms you can upload images you can upload pdfs you can make choices you can do surveys forms are really powerful when it comes to making giving people a natural set of instructions so if you're ever giving people instructions and a natural set of instructions you always give people a form right? Number one. Number two, you always can ensure accuracy. Here's what I mean. Uh, I'll give you a very simple example. On, on our team, whenever we uh, upload files, right? Upload files, we like, uh, we like naming good naming conventions, right? So let's say it is um, a mastermind call done by Sharon Trivata on a certain date at a certain time with a certain topic. And let's, so all our file naming conventions are mastermind dash Sharon dash, you know, date dash, uh, topic. That way it's searchable for us, right? So when you take a form and you put name, topic, mastermind, address, etc., and you click submit, the form actually will go and auto-create the naming convention. That way you don't have to ever do that. So you always know that the naming convention is done every single time. Now you may think that's a really basic thing, but I guarantee you 
if you look around, most companies are very terribly organized. And the reason why they're terribly organized is because they have no no accuracy beforehand. And it's very hard for people to search. And it's very hard for people to actually search so you don't get better efficiency around the stuff. That's why when you want to ensure accuracy, you always use forms. And uh, forms are really powerful that way. Number three, this is my favorite of all. When you use a form, you can naturally kick off a lot of automation. So most form engines integrate with automation software, either in your CRM or in Zapier or whatever. And automations are really powerful. So if I can do an onboarding form, and once the onboard form is complete, maybe I have to send them a birthday card. Maybe I send them a thank you card. Maybe I send them a welcome packet. Maybe I send them a welcome email. Maybe I notify a couple of team members to give them a call. Maybe I put a, uh, a congratulations message in Slack. Maybe I add them to a drip sequence. All of that stuff can be done with the form. Now, the cool part is once you do the onboarding once, and let's say you have 10 tasks that happen on the onboarding, now you have an idea for the 11th task, you just add it to the automation, right? And you don't have to change the form. And forms are really powerful when you want to kick off a bunch of other things that need to happen with it as opposed to putting that uh, putting a person in charge of that who you know if they're not at their game at the top of the game the stuff's going to break and you're putting a lot more pressure on the stuff all right number three you can kick off a lot of automations and number four while this may seem like the the, the least of anybody's concern number four is this you can easily teach the process to others Think about it this way. You say, let's say you got a new person on your team and you say, hey, we have a new uh, client coming on board. And you're like, awesome. Hey, whenever we have a new client, you just fill out the client onboarding form. Imagine how easy that is to teach. So now I can go, I can just fill out the onboarding form. If I have any questions on the form, I ask. And that becomes how I learn how a new employee or a new team member comes on the system. Especially when you have consultants, et cetera, and you don't want to give them access to stuff. You just give them access to the form, right? And that way you don't even have to give uh, sensitive access to different people. You just give them the access to the form and that kicks off a lot of the automations uh, the, on, the, on the back end. Forms are really powerful. And I, I'll say this again, these four things that they do, they give you a natural set of instructions. They, you can definitely ensure accuracy. You can kick off other automations and you can easily teach the process to others. I will tell you that if building a culture of form-based work on our team has changed like the stress level of the people on our team. And that's why we have so much more efficiency. I'd say we probably do three to five X more than a team our size can do with um, our team because we have a certain rules for productivity on our team. All right, let me just quickly recap for you before I give you your day back. Number one, we're talking about the three rules of productivity on my team. The first one is human-driven efficiency. This is where we have the two very simple rules where rule number one is if it's if it's one sentence or less, we can use words in text form. But if it's more than one sentence, we have to either use audio, video, or go live. Uh, that's number one, human different efficiency. Number two, we commit to mastering the tools. And so on our team, we do one video per day of all any one of the tools that we use on our tech stack. And that allows each person on our team to learn better, be better, have better capability. And number three, forms reduce errors. And knowing how to utilize the forms, not worrying about the form-based engines and all of that really helps people overall because it gives people an ultra level of confidence. I hope that this is helpful to you. I hope that maybe you can take this, uh, share it with your teams, put it in, give this to your mastermind groups, put this in the Facebook groups that you manage, right? Just share this podcast with people that you think 
whether they have small teams or big teams, large organizations or small organizations, even a solopreneur who's using consultants or freelancers or VAs can dramatically benefit from this. So, but having rules of productivity is what drives everything because when you have no rules, you have a lot of chaos. I hope that's helpful to you and I will catch you on the next one. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com dot com.